Um, it is my, my privilege this morning um, to introduce somebody who needs no introduction. Um, Pastor Matt Wheelock uh, serves all three congregations. He's one of the few that gets to see Sebring and Lakeland and Ocala in the flesh. Um, and he's, he wanted to come and experience the shindig for himself this weekend, which was a, a great blessing. And, uh, and he's going to be bringing the word and closing out our work and rest series. So thank you, Matt. I'll get out of your way. Nice to be here. 1246. Sorry, I had to say that real quick because it was on my brain. That's the page we'll be on in God's holy word this morning. <clears throat> So other than children that are mostly in the back, I have been attending Neighborhood Church Ocala for about a third of my life. That's crazy. I can tell you this without a shadow of a doubt. I've preached in this room many, many a time. Maybe probably not to you. Last time I was invited to speak was when Michael and Jesse were celebrating their anniversary and he gave me the passage about divorce. It was a very ideal time for him to leave town. He's like, hey, bud, you do this. All right. Got to be honest, it was super awkward. But I think I nailed it. I think I nailed it. <laughs> Who was in the room for that? Anybody remember? It was last July. It's a long time ago. It wasn't yesterday. <clears throat> so no, no, I got nothing. Absolutely nothing. But I can also say this. I have been administrative pastor for 17 and a half years for our churches, and it's been, it's been fun. The last time I did an unscripted message was probably here about 14 years ago. I just, I decided, you know, there was a point in my, in my, you know, preaching life, my pastor life that I decided, hey, you know what, I'm going to just start scripting my messages. That way I'm more comfortable come Sunday morning. I know exactly what I'm going to say. This is the first time this morning. So if I, if I totally bomb, <laughs> if I totally bomb this morning, I blame, mm, let's just, I blame Sarah. She's. If you didn't know, Sarah's my sister, so it's okay to blame her. It's fine, totally. But, you know, as I was, as I was preparing this, for this message, there's something that just has been resonating with me, and it's pretty much the, the point of this morning, but it's that this question, what has Jesus done for me? What has Jesus done for you, and everything you really ever needed, Jesus was the one that did it. So as I, I, I put on a, uh, the, the radio this morning, my Pandora station, this is the song that popped up. We're about halfway here this morning, and it's, come and listen. Come to the water's edge, all you who know and fear the Lord. Come and listen. Come to the water's edge, all of you who are thirsty, come, let me tell you what he has done for me. Let me tell you what he has done for me. He has done for you. He has done for us. So this morning, I get a, I get a pretty good, well, I don't have a seat, but I have a pretty good seat of being able to, to just 
just claim that Jesus has done everything that you need. Now, I am going to say this. I'm an interactive guy. So there's going to be, I'm going to have a little bit of like, hey, back and forth. I'm going to ask a question. It is okay to yell at me back some answers, okay? It's okay. I give you permission. You don't always have permission to yell back at the pastor, okay? Just, yeah. <laughs> but anybody else have those I need kind of things? Like college football season, I have this need to watch the Florida Gators. This year, mostly lose, but I need to watch Florida Gators play. Like, that's just, that's on my Saturday agenda, right? I need to have a safe trip home, you know, because that's what I need. I, I, I need to have good meals. I didn't get fat on accident. Like, I got fat on purpose, <laughs> right? Anybody have those? Like, I need something. I need, <laughs> can I get a witness? <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of times like, yes, I need a nap. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anybody else? Like, there's, I need something. <laughs> On behalf of my friend, my brother, Robbie, can I get? Oh, it was her. Oh, sorry. All right. <laughs> Well, you too, man. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I need an attitude adjustment. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it, most of those things that we like, we have this like thinking that we need something. It really is a want, right? We can claim. We 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 understand that. The whole I need a safe drive home. I I don't really need that. I want that, but the reality is God can use tragedy in our lives, and we can find joy in losing a child. What? We can find joy, fill in the blank. It can be good. It can, it can look like something that's bad, but we can find joy in that because Jesus is everything that we need. So, as we turn into Scripture, that 1246, I remember, right? All right? Hebrews chapter 4. We've been through Hebrews chapter 1, 2, 3, halfway through 4, looking at this idea that Jesus is greater than angels, Jesus is greater than demons, Jesus is greater than work, Jesus is even greater than naps. Right? Rest. So we conclude this current series with Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 510. And here's the main point, the, the main principle that's broadened out a little bit than Jesus is everything you need. Starting in verse 14, it says, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to the act to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself. But only when God or only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son today, I have begotten you. As he said also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications, with loud cries and tears, to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. So before we get started, let's do as we always do here and go to the Lord in prayer. You're more than welcome to pray along with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 So the writer of Hebrews does this thing, right? Those first verses as he closes out chapter 4, verses 14 through the end. That's, that's the point, right? It's the, it's the main purpose that he is our high priest, and there's a number of things in there, and we see that he does his part, right? It's, a, it's asking that question, who is Jesus for us? What does he do? So his part is that we have a great high priest. And I was, as I was approaching this text, like I, I've done a lot of study. I, I've, I've been through the whole doctrine thing. I've been through the whole uh, the whole. Bible. I've done the exam. I've I've went through ordination. I've I understand that, but I had the question: like, do I think everybody in the room really grasps and comprehends exactly what that means in their life? Jesus is your great high priest. I didn't know. He also does another thing. He says he passed through heavens. Anybody in the room passed through heavens lately? Not yet. I don't think so. <laughs> if you have, come see me afterwards. I just want to. I just want to talk to you. <laughs> I think it'd be pretty cool, right? But he has passed through the heavens. the The high priest of the Old Testament would would once a year, on behalf of the people, go into the 
the, the, the holy of holies, into the presence of God, right? On behalf of the people. But Jesus went back to the holy of holies after he put on human skin, came down here to be sacrificed for me and for you and for everyone in the world for all times, died, but he raised again, right? On the third day. And after that, where does he sit? On the right hand of God. He gets to go to the Holy of Holies to experience the eternal presence of God. He did something that we will never do this side of heaven. Now our part, right, is that let us hold fast to our what? Confession. Some version says profession. Right? Let us hold on. Hold fast. What is the outcome of you holding fast to something? If you were to hold fast to something, what happens? Hmm? You don't let it go. I won't... I won't. <laughs> If you, if you know me, I almost said it, but I was like, I don't know how somebody will interact with this, but I was going to say, you know, come heck or high water, yeah. you're not taking this from me. It's like, just imagine this. You're holding on to your baby. The baby that you have been praying for for 12 years. God finally gave you a baby. And some stranger comes along and tries to grab said baby. What will you do? Hold fast, Right? You are not letting go for whatever you can do. Hold fast. And what is our confession? <laughs> Jesus. It's that answering that question, what has Jesus done for you? If you think to yourself, and you can, you can exclaim it or not, <clears throat> but if you think to yourself, what has Jesus done for you in your life? What are the things that Jesus has saved you from? Saved you from death, saved you from addiction, saved you from broken marriage, saved you from fill in the blank, right? Saved you from poverty. Jesus has done so much in my life. I know you probably feel the same thing. What has Jesus done for you? That is the thing that you hold on to when everything, when the going gets tough, right? When things happen in your life, when you're interacting with somebody who's having a struggle themselves and they're trying to ask, like, who is Jesus? What has Jesus done for you? That's the thing that you're holding fast to because he has done so much. Tell the story of his goodness and his grace. Then he goes back to his part. He can sympathize. He understands what you go through. I recently have become a chaplain in Highlands County Fire Rescue, interacting with firefighters and paramedics in our community. The one thing that I, I, I knew beforehand, but the one thing that numerous people have said is, please, chaplain, don't don't use the, I know what you've been through. You haven't seen what they've seen. Hear them out. Listen to them. 
But don't say you know what they've been through. I've never had to scrape a child off the railroad tracks before. They have, right? He can sympathize. He knows what poverty feels like. He knows what brokenness feels like. He knows what it feels like when somebody spits on you and criticizes you and doesn't believe you and thinks that you're a liar. He knows what you've been through. Our part, it's that draw near to the throne of grace. To receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Who here feels like God's grace and mercy is just abundant? Right? He always comes through for us because we can trust Him. So that's the point of this morning's passage where we can understand and comprehend that Jesus is greater than all work, all rest, everything. And then it goes to explain himself a little bit, give him a little bit of street cred, right? And here's the practice. What are Jesus' requirements for being this great high priest? Well, first, he was chosen from among men. He wasn't self-appointed. Anybody, anybody know, have you ever been in a, a board or a, uh, maybe, maybe your workplace, like, there's a self-appointed I'm in charge kind of thing, and they're not really in charge. You know, I'm the self-appointed I know everything around here, right? Jesus wasn't self-appointed, <laughs> okay? And there was also a requirement for him to be a man. He was God, but he was also man. And then chosen based on reputation, who you are when someone's watching, and also character, who you are when no one's watching, right? That was a requirement. He was appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. He is our mediator. He's the one that stands between you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and God the Father. See, if Jesus wasn't standing between us, mediating on our behalf, God the Father would look at you and see you unrighteous, dirty, filthy, trajectory for hell because, you know, you're lost. But Jesus stands in the way and through his blood, through what he has done to sacrifice for us, God the Father sees us as righteous, as holy, as blameless on a trajectory for eternity with him. How often is he working on your behalf? How often is he working on your behalf? Always. I don't know about you, but I put him on overtime. All right, let's pray and confess before the Lord like how, how often we make him work on our behalf, right? Thank you, Jesus. He also offers gifts and sacrifices for sins. He himself was the gift and the sacrifice. There was no lamb. There was no ram. There was no other living sacrifice but Jesus. 
And it came at a very high cost. We say, accept this free gift of salvation. It wasn't free. Whenever anybody says something's free, it's not. Someone pays. Someone always pays. That idea of free isn't real. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward. He can deal with Pastor Matt and Pastor Michael. You fill in the blank who the <laughs> ignorant is and the wayward is. I'm definitely wayward. He's, well, you know, he's not ignorant. <laughs> he can only deal with the ignorant and the wayward only by going through it. He understands it because he went through it. He dealt with it as well. A major point to him coming down and putting on human skin. He had to do it. One of my favorite passages is probably my most referenced passage when I preach is Philippians 2, 1 through 13. It says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He humbled himself by taking on human skin, by going through death, even death, on a cross. Sounds free to me, right? If you were sitting on heaven's throne next to God the Father. And you're like, oh, well, these people need, you know, sacrifice for all of their sins so that they, they can live eternally with me. How easy is it that you would have to come off of your throne to deal with your nonsense? <laughs> and then to be ridiculed and killed. Thank the Lord, he is stronger than I, more loving than I, more gracious than I, more merciful than I. He offers sacrifices for sin. The requirement, the wage of sin is what? Since Adam and Eve. Forever. We hold firm to the truths found in these verses and it is the purpose of us inviting our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of 
the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10.9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the other requirement that he has is that he was called by God just like Aaron. So go all the way back, right? We're in Hebrews. You've got to go back a few pages, all the way back to Exodus 28, where God acknowledged Aaron as the first priest. And he was acknowledged there in Exodus 28. And we also see in all four of the Gospels, captures God the Father announcing who Jesus belongs to and being anointed by the Holy Spirit to carry out his calling to be the prophet, to be the priest, great high priest, and our king. So this, the, the, the last section that is found in Hebrews chapter 5 that we read through this morning is the promise. It's can we trust Jesus to follow through? Well, Genesis 14, 18 through 19 says this, and this is way back when, about 1890-ish B.C. It says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, later Jerusalem, Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High. He blessed Abram. Started the order of Melchizedek. Psalm 110, later on, around 1044-ish B.C., says this, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning. The dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. So some years later, the writer of this psalm sort of gives this forward thinking, announcing Jesus as in the line of Melchizedek. And then this morning, we get to read Hebrews 5, 5 through 10, that says, So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. 
And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Let me read that again. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And that was written about 60-ish AD. Years later. He has been working a plan since before he spoke anything into existence. And what's really cool is he's been making a paper trail for us for like 4,000 years. So that way we can read these things now, look back and be like, oh, (laughs) he had a plan. I'm a part of his plan. We get to have a shindig in the backyard to exclaim his plan. God is so good, amen? I'd say that we can trust him to follow through. I'd say that he is greater than anything and everything we could ever want or desire, even naps. I read this uh, writing by a gentleman I just thought was was pretty powerful. I'll I'll end with this. But it answers that question, what Jesus has done for me. My God has done for me what no other person has ever done. He has forgiven me of my sin and brought me into his kingdom as his child. He has given me himself and given me love, and his name is called Jesus. Jesus now lives in the heart and will never leave me, and it is Jesus that has given me peace beyond anything I have ever had or can understand. He has given life to my desperate, barren, thirsty soul in which he alone is the source. He has given me his life for now in all eternity. He has lavished his love upon me because he is love. My God has had mercy on me when I didn't deserve it. I have done nothing to earn his mercy. He gave it to me before I even existed. He knew I could never come to him as I was, a sinner. He knew I needed a Savior to redeem me into a right relationship with him. God's mercy allowed him to send his son, Jesus Christ, to earth and pay the price for my sin. God's law required my death, my blood, to pay for my sin. But God, in his love, allowed his son to take upon himself all the sin of the world and pay the price I could never pay. My God gave to me his favor, which is called grace. He didn't have to, but he did. God's kindness toward me was shown through his son, Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. I didn't earn God's favor or slip him a hundred or promise to be good. He knew I could never keep that promise. He didn't earn it because I am famous, important, or any other ridiculous man-made title or self-worship. Simply put, God extended his kindness to me because he loved me. Not because of anything I am or have done. He extends his grace to everyone, no matter what you have done or what you would look like. God extended his love to us through his son, Jesus Christ. He did this before we were born, all the while knowing who we were, sinners in need of his son's saving love. The kicker is, That not everyone chooses to accept his love, even though it is there for everyone to receive. My God showed me 
the cause of my sin. God allowed me to see my ugly self-life and the sin it was. I was a sinner and living for my own pleasures and my own will. My self-life or pride was strong, ugly, entrenched with its tentacles filling my body. When I looked in the mirror, I saw a horrible death in hell. I saw how hideous my heart was. I saw that there was no good in me, though I pretended I was good. Self-life can take on many forms to get its way in desires. Don't be fooled. Sin is deceiving and it will destroy you. Sin's mission is to kill, steal, and destroy. Don't be fooled by its lies of good, wealth, and power. God helped me to realize that my self-life had to be dealt with and soon. My God gave me the only solution to my problem. God showed me that his son, Jesus, has already paid the price for my sin long ago and that my sin could be forgiven if I accepted Jesus and what he had done for me. Through Jesus, my self-life could be overcome and my sin forgiven. My God was giving me the gift of life and heaven and not hell. My God was giving me love. My God showed me his plan for pardon, his son, whom he had sent in the world to be my savior. Yes, I needed saving from what God had revealed to me earlier about my sin and the death penalty I was under. Jesus paid the price I could never pay. My pardon came by believing in his son, Christ Jesus, with my whole heart. What has Jesus done for you? Everything you ever needed. Because there is no way your life is worth anything without him. And as soon as we get to the point where we can declare that and understand that and fully grasp that, we'll have something to declare, right? So there's power in this, inviting our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus. There's a purpose for it. Because I don't know about you. I interact with a bunch of people who are in desperate need of Jesus. They think they know what they need, and they don't. Do you interact with them too? Does your friends need Jesus? Does your coworkers need Jesus? Does your family need Jesus? Our neighbors, anybody that we interact with throughout our life, need desperately Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that we have a great high priest standing between us and God the Father, mediating on our behalf, sacrificing on our behalf because it was our penalty, but you paid it. Thank you for your grace. Grace upon grace. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, I pray that we can take the power of your word and turn it into something that someone needs to hear, that someone needs to feel, that someone needs to feel the touch of, of, of us just being hands and feet of you. Lord, thank you for just the ability to worship you this morning, to get to know you better. 
to lock arms with your people. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. And I just pray that the surrounding community, that the neighbors in which we interact with, can hear, can feel the love of Jesus, our great high priest. In Jesus' name, amen.